Hello, Don't Die Podcast. Hello, Chuck, Evan, Alexis, Mike, and Bob. It's Dave from the Dopey Podcast. I hope you guys are doing great. As you may or might not have heard, I have some corona-esque symptoms, but I'm all right. It was bad for a week. I am on the mend. It's a lot like kicking dope, but not as bad, and uh, I'm happy to be included in your special. I wish everybody out there peace, love, and hope. Uh, It can get worse. It can get better. Keep your fucking heads up. Love, Dave. From Dopey. Bye-bye. I just wanted to share something with you that's brought me a lot of hope. During this very difficult time, the realization that no matter what, no matter when the economy, you know, when we get back to work and all these big questions, that we're all in this together and none of us are alone. That always was the case. I just don't think it was as obvious how interconnected and interdependent we all are. This is a time, I think, to to look out for each other, to be kind with one another, and to uh, just envision a world where there's more, more kindness, more caring and sharing, more joy and music and laughter and togetherness. So this is a very interesting time in history. I, I really hope that, that we don't kind of go back to normal. That's brought me a lot of hope. Take care. Hey, everybody, it's Chuck. Hope you guys are getting through the days okay. The people that are limited in the meetings they can get to, you know, try to find them on the Zoom, try to find those old cassettes. Remember the people in the very beginning didn't have meetings to go to every night and we have phones and capabilities that they didn't. So you'll get through it if you want to. Excuses are excuses. You know, I hope people are keeping their chin up and their chest out. You know, if you're an addict like I am, we've seen way darker days. What's being asked of me now is like to try and protect the, those that can't protect themselves. So I'm going to do what I can to keep this virus from getting too out of hand, you know. I'm not trying to go anywhere I shouldn't be. And I'm not doing anything more than I need to. Um, washing my hands. Not flushing toilets with my mouth. You know, all that stuff that we're supposed to do to get through this. And we'll see you all on the other side. All right, you guys have a great night. Day, whatever you're having. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Bob, and I am in self-quarantine because I am high risk. But we're still doing podcasts. Mike and I and Chuck did one while ago, and this is the update of it. Be safe, be smart, don't believe the hype. Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Oh, you don't even have your goddamn headphones on. All right. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Yeah, I I did. I heard you say, stop dying, Chuck. What That's is with it. this Astros thing? What what happened? What's this they guy? cheated? And they're fucking cheaters. And the Dodgers yeah. won the 2017 World Series, or at least take their World Series away from them. You don't have to give it to the Dodgers, but it should be taken away from Houston. I I don't even know what what's the con- oh, did they let air know. out of the balls? That's why I asked. They See? fucking cheated. I know Bob knows everything about. <laughs> they it. What do you cheated. mean they cheated? All right, I'll give you an example. In it wasn't even against the Dodgers. It was just so obvious. There's this little guy. I forget his name. He's really good. There, you know, um, he's a leadoff hitter. Little, and he's three-two fastball against the greatest pitcher Verlander or something. I forget who he was against. And I was just like, he's either gonna walk or 
ground out, right, or strike out. It's a home run. Like, it's impossible in that situation against that kind of pitcher to hit a home run. And he did it then against the Dodgers. It turns out they had earpieces and they knew what pitches were coming. So if, if a oh. batter knows it's a fastball high and inside, because he can look down at where the catcher's putting the mitt, and he knows it's a fastball, he can... He has the, it's the most advantage in all of sports. They had hidden microphones? Hidden microphones. In their helmets? In their helmets. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> they were also, when, when certain players, I, I don't know the details about who had the microphones, who didn't, but they also banged on a trash can when it was a fastball so that, so that you would be up to bat and you would hear bang, bang, bang. On the metal trash can in the dugout, that meant it's a fastball coming. That's kind of old school. Wait a that's second. Is, is, is that cheating that's or, cheating. or, or are they that's smarter right. than everybody else? <laughs> that's, that's Did they just figure a way around it? There's no rule that says it has to be yeah. secret. They got to be able to communicate or think no, for themselves. No, there's a rule that it has to be secret. <laughs> the rule is the pitch has to be secret? Yes. It's only between the pitcher and the catcher. I didn't know that there were secrets. Know this? The secrets so how were they predicting the, the, the... Because you give signals. Like, Don't you ever see uh, like catchers that do this, one, two, three, and, whatever, yeah, and then yeah. they do... But if you can figure out the signals, aren't you got, don't you have the edge? Yeah, but you're not supposed to. It's against the rules. So what? Come on. <laughs> oh, everybody, my God. Everybody right. figures out whatever they can in the game. Okay. I got it. So I'll, the trash can thing is, I'm, I'm saying, is not cheating. I think if you were clever, you just hit a trash can every time if you know that someone's hitting a trash yeah. can to give a signal. and then you. I know. If the Dodgers would have known they were cheating, they could hit a trash they can and struck them out. Now, that would have been smart. All right. Now, well, anyways, it's... It's a big controversy in sports. Obviously, not important to you, to the musician. Speakers in the helmet. I don't know. Man. Yeah. Oh, so, so to put it into context that you, we can understand it here at the Don't Die uh, podcast, uh, it's like Suboxone. I think. <laughs> I think steroids, like steroids, and 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 Suboxone are like the same thing. Cheating. Well, I'll give you an example. Doctors love to put everyone on Suboxone, right? Yes. Whether you're a whether you're a, a engineer for Sarah McLaughlin, like Mike Mart is, I was right. Or mm. you're a drug and alcohol counselor, or you're uh, what am I? Am I an Uber driver? I don't even know what. My, I don't think you're. An I don't Uber think driver. I have a, dry, a job. But but whatever your occupation in America, they put you on Suboxone if you have an opioid problem at mm -hmm. this point. Except when a what. One career they accept that they will not do, put Suboxone on, doctors. Doctors oh. are not allowed to be on Suboxone and practice medicine. But hmm. you're allowed to be a truck driver, an airline pilot, a judge. The president of the United <laughs> States. <laughs> hmm. But really? you can't practice medicine Why? and be on Suboxone. Why if it doesn't what affect the their brain? the president of the United States? Why if, if it doesn't okay, affect their brain? That's okay. what... Chuck is asking if it doesn't affect, so it obviously does. The medical profession itself recognizes, know, recognizes that it impairs you in some way, and they don't allow you to, to perform medicine, right? If it's good enough for me, no matter what I'm doing in life, I then, I, then my surgeon should be allowed to be on it. Right. Well, I'm more concerned with the airline pilots. <laughs> if they can't drink, oh my God. 
You know, see, give me out some Voxo. You know that what's? Oh should be allowed to drink. Should we? Should we be able to know who's on Suboxone and who's not on Suboxone? I think you should have to wear a red shirt or or get a, put a red S on your shirt, a red scarlet letter. A scarlet and you can have to wear a hat in Mike's, with a big. In I think Mike, they do. It says and make in America. Mike's logic that the Dodgers should bang on their trash cans to confuse the Astros. I, like <laughs> I think that people who are on Suboxone should advertise. I'm on Suboxone, so that means I'll be calmer. I'll be more. You know whether yeah. it's. A, a, a then I'll know if I want to do business yeah. with you and or not. If yeah. you're not on Suboxone, well, I don't know. That guy's a little anxious. He's a little, he's a little edgy. That guy, yeah. I don't know if I want to deal with him. Total transparency. <laughs> Total <I> transparency <laughs> with Suboxone. I'm with you. I'm with you. Man. I, okay. I, 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 I think if you're on Suboxone, you should be proud. Right. Or, I think you should too. Yeah. Hey, Boy, you know is, what? That's <laughs> not a joke. I've been telling my kids that are on it. Don't tell people you're on it. Tell don't them. be ashamed of it. Shame, but no it shame. is strange about the occupation thing. Uh, that is strange, and I, I like the idea of having a, a pharmaceutical shirt that tells you everything I'm whatever you're currently on. I want to know so I know whether I it should has listen a big to you or not. Square patch on it that changes color, or no, it just says <laughs> this says I'm on Xanax and Clonopin and like a Suboxone. fucking mood ring or something, like a mood ring, yeah. You know well, I mean? and they're also on uh, uh, statins and all kinds of medicines, you know. I said it. I'll set it. I'll say it till the day I die. America is the sickest country on earth. There's no doubt about it. It's just in the facts. America is 4.8 percent of the world's population. Takes 50 percent of all prescribed medication. You know why? Hear Cause, that cause again. Hear that again. 4.8 percent of the population takes half of the world's prescription drugs. Hmm. That's because we're the smartest. There's a better nation one. There's a better one, and there's a reason why we're alive today, gentlemen. Yes. The American population hasn't changed. 4.8 percent of the world population takes 80 percent of the world's opioids. If opioids USA. are such a great USA, <laughs> USA. No, By the way, we're number one. In, we're number one in a couple we're of things. We're number one. We're number one. What do you think Trump's sniffing? Adderall. I think, no, I think he's. I think he's on psychostimulants. I no, really but do. I mean, you know, when he's obviously he's sniffing something that's in his nose. Well, there's also there's also people. What the on, fuck is that? No, if you really want to know, because I've studied it, I've oh, watched okay. him. You know, uh, something happened to a friend of mine that had um, he had a breathing problem. He had emphysema, and they gave him this steroid inhaler, and uh-huh. he was he was a little wacky. He was actually he was a depressive type in real life, and the steroids really made him kind of, kind of interesting and funny. And <laughs> what, you know, I liked him way better on the steroids. Hey, dude, go right. get your inhaler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, dude. It's, and so, some he was so out of his mind at this event, and he was considering himself still sober because nobody's going to consider that steroids are a problem you can't abuse them really but he was always kind of out of his mind and he was at this so event to lyle alcedo he was at this event and i got i kind of like the leaders of the industry kind of came to me and said will you keep an eye on so and so and i was like oh okay yeah i like being with him so i spent a whole afternoon kind of guiding him around and talking for him like no he doesn't really mean that <laughs> Because ah. <laughs> it was the entire universe of recovery industry, and he was like saying some crazy shit, like you know, some crazy stuff. That's and just honking on that thing all the time, like. 
<laughs> yeah. Like in Blue Velvet. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So I think Trump's on something. Something is going on. Oh, yeah. Come because on. you can see when he gets. President of the United States, sometimes, you can do whatever you want. Sometimes he's really calmer and kind of seems like he doesn't care, but then other times he's just agitated and just really tense. Mostly at those conventions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it would be interesting his to, dope dealer shows to see what, what sort of medications that he's prescribed through his. Yeah, it's got to be steroids of some kind, I believe. I bet it is for stamina and energy. Good whatever it is that, that, that whatever it is that ages them twenty years and eight years, it's happened to every president. Got it. I mean, there's but his something. hair, his hair is weirdly colored. If you see a real raw picture of him, it's yeah. like really weird looking. <laughs> Obama got really old in the presidency oh, too. Boy. He went from like a guy playing basketball to this old wise man, <laughs> like in eight years. That doesn't happen. Nothing yeah, happens in they, eight yeah, years. They color their hair or something. Yeah. Then, you know. So, so we're here. Uh, last episode, I said, you know, we gotta keep the keep reinventing the don't die kind of um, mission statement. And I, I really think we need new ways of talking to these kids, right? We need new ways of talking with them because the way that. I mean, I adjusted from the way I was talked to that made sense to me that I kind of liked. I like Gloria Scott telling me I was full of shit. She said one of the, she'd always say the greatest thing. She got, I would tell her my big plan of detoxing and I'm going to, so I'm going to stay at home for two days so I don't have to be in the hospital too long and then I don't want rehab and I'm just going to go to meetings and I'm going to be in there. You know what I mean? All right. I had my big plan of how I was going to get off of heroin. While I'm on heroin, Mike never really had those plans. He never intended to get off heroin, ever. No. Why would you? I always was. I always planning to get off it. From the time I got on it, I was planning to get off it. For 13 years, you never planned to get off it. No, it was fine. Except, you know, when I hit... <laughs> when finally just I was one of the last holdouts, you know, of our all, all of our group and everything. Although, I was I was still going. But you had you had been sober. And oh, yeah. Smog yeah. And you guys had all been sober. And I was the last kind of holdout. And uh, we were the happened. AA people. We yeah. might not have continual sobriety, but we had. They would show sobriety. up over my house and ruin yeah. my high. Oh, Mike, what are you doing? Mike? We, we got to help Mike. Let's Mike. go see Mike and see if we can't get him to a meeting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, well, finally I went. Yeah, finally you went. But um, but anyway, so Gloria used to say I would go on my whole rant of like what I'm planning. And she go, "You are so full of shit." God, she was so. And right. and I would be like, <laughs> but then she knew to say something. I love you. Come here, and she yeah, would hug right? me. Yeah. She would tell me I'm so full of shit. And here's the 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 greatness of Gloria Scott and a great drug counselor. She never addressed the plan ever. She didn't. Con she didn't. Condone it. She didn't condemn it. She didn't even talk about it. She would just look at me in the eyes and go, "You are so full of shit." She I love you. you. Come here. She would tell you the truth, and then she would love you to death. Yeah, but but she would never. And so then I would leave her apartment like not knowing, like nothing got decided well, about my plan, Chuck. But, I mean, <laughs> but, but you got to. Think what are about we doing it? tomorrow, Mike? What am I supposed to not use, or am I supposed to use? She did it right. <laughs> well, look, look right. at that. She got you to to reevaluate your situation. You had to at least look at it again because you didn't know what to think of it. <laughs> Because no. if she told you not to do it, you, I would have you, said, you, "Oh fuck you! You don't understand you do me. You don't understand me. You're just like all the rest." That's what I would have said if she said, "That's idiocracy." 
she would just say, you're so full of shit. I love you. And she'd hug me. And then we'd talk about her son solo or talk about the weather and talk about Bush and how much she hated him. And, and then I would be leaving. And I realized, like, I came over here for a big detox plan. I don't know if I'm leaving with one. <laughs> you know what I mean? So but you felt love. So I did that at MAP, and it really works. That way, dealing with Steven Adler or certain musicians, or like it works, like that thing of like, oh, come on, dude, come on, and just go, let's go eat. I don't want to, I don't know, tell somebody else that story. I, you know, I just right, love you. Exactly. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And saying I don't know to junkie musicians really confuses them. Because <laughs> everyone they meet tells them, you know, because they want to make money off them, right? The sober companions and the interventionists. If you say, dude, I don't know. You know, I told Scott one time he shouldn't drive. He was like, what? I go, I just, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. I love you like a little brother. I just love you. But I know one thing, you shouldn't drive. <laughs> that's, all <laughs> I, that's all I said. <laughs> and he just walked away. And I hope he walked away from that the way I walked away from Glory Scott. And it seems that people did. Up until, like, I would say 2010 is when millennials hit the rehab world, right? Hmm. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. And it was just, they were just, I had, we had this one great guy who eventually did get sober for years and years. And last I heard, he was sober and sober. Um, I'm giving him the spiel and he goes, and, but eventually, you know, it's about you want to be sober or whatever. And he just looks at me and he goes, you know, it's like you're speaking Japanese. And I just, I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> that's the greatest answer I've ever It's like you're speaking Japanese that's and I don't fucking, speak Japanese. And that was <laughs> one of the first millennials I ever dealt with. <laughs> and you went, I really don't like these guys. <laughs> but I had to figure, how do you, I had to learn how to speak whatever language they're talking. Right? right and that was hollywood recovery center i started in like 2010 i think and and it was just trial and error because i had certain standard things i had used for years working in rehab that people all kind of understood and liked and it's entertaining and it's a good group and it gets people talking and i would do it with these millennials and they just sit there like or looking at their phone <laughs> you know and you're looking at this dead eye. i'm giving them my grade a top Top shelf material, Mike. Yeah. And they're just like, and so then one day, I remember the people who were in the group. It's a gal who's, who stumbled, got sober then for about five years, turned her life around, stumbled again, went through some bad times, is back sober for like three years now. And a kid who owns a treatment center now, and a kid who died on Saturday, and a couple of other kids, a guy, Paul, that you know that owns the rehab we're in this group and i said i was doing a thing about kurt cobain like i have this whole thing about kurt cobain right <laughs> and um and i knew i looked at the people and including paul and they had no idea of who i was talking about really huh. they had they weren't rock and roll people the two 20 year olds were like hip-hop and EDM was big at that time, like Tiesto was the biggest thing in the world to those people. Or, and I just like, the Kurt Cobain thing doesn't even register with them anymore. And, the, mm. and here's the Co Kurt Cobain thing. Most people think Kurt Cobain died of drugs. He didn't die of drugs. He died of suicide, right? Higher and, than shit, though. But, but it's different, Mike. Suicide, is, putting a shotgun in your mouth is a little different. Mm -hmm. I have no opinion. I've been high as shit a billion times. 
Uh, didn't do that. So because I don't like that they think it was an accident or just like all the other drug deaths. And I like to say he's like a warning of what's to come. And the reason why I say it is because he represented to me, there's no more powerful on earth you can get than him. There's, There's no more place you can get. Dennis Rodman said something funny to me one time. He goes, you know, there's a pecking order to society, Bob. And you think the rock stars are on the top, and they're not. The sports stars are on the top. Then the rock stars, then the movie stars, then everybody else who's a celebrity, right? And mm-hmm. I said, why is that? And he goes, he goes, I'm a poor kid from Dallas, Texas. I've had five presidents kiss my black ass. how fucking great is that from dennis rodman and he gets to go to china well this was way before that look at the net he's korean right oh is it korean he goes he goes everybody kisses ass to sports heroes not everybody he said he said and he was referring to chili peppers he goes not everybody knows who your friends are everybody knows who michael jordan is (laughs) right it was crazy so so in this rock and roll thing, I'm saying like nobody in my lifetime ever had achieved these parallel successes in life. So in, especially in entertainment. So one was every musician I knew was in awe of him, right? That's hard to, there's only a few people that have ascended to that kind of respect from all different communities, from, from Led Zeppelin for Robert Plant saying this kid's a genius to, to, you know, Johnny Rotten saying this kid's a genius. So there's all praise, all from everywhere, how great this kid is. And then he was the most successful recording artist, sold the most records. No one but the Beatles had ever been in that position. And he did, he wasn't murdered and he didn't die of an accidental drug overdose. He, killed himself Hmm. we've and i saw it as this foretelling of what's to come like something is becoming devalued about existence you know what i'm saying yeah wow i mean how many people incurred that was 94 it's april 4th of 1994 how many people you really know known up until then that had killed themselves right it almost put a stamp on i hadn't heard of anybody no i I agree and now you hear about it every fucking month. Yeah, Robin Williams. I mean, all these famous people. Yeah, there's, there's and, there's, and non-famous people. Let me tell you, non, I hear about them all. Famous people, yeah. right? Yep. A lot so, of, um, a lot of, and <coughs> a lot of the proper way to say it is not committed, but completed. Right, oh, completed okay, suicide. Whatever. Well, it's, but but here's the thing. A PC thing. So yeah. that's a that's a uh, clinical. clinical clinical term. Yeah. So here's another thing. How how's how's they off themselves? Is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's still cool. I I've had yeah. to, I've yeah. had to call a parent to tell them that it was fucking. That's a, uh, no, that's, well, a not, that's a phone call. You walk around. I yeah. walked around outside and I was like, I for, I I delayed it for so long, like an hour and a half. I kind of forgot that I was supposed to make it for a while, and I was living in the bliss that I didn't have to do that phone call. Maybe someone else will do it. <laughs> no, I just was completely like, I went outside and somebody talked to me, and then I was like walking around. And I was at work, and then I was like. And I, I and somebody said, "Where are you going?" And I was like, "Oh fuck! I'm oh I'm, oh my god! I'm supposed to be calling this mother." Oh my god! Oh my god! All right, why I'm laughing about it is because to death, 
laughter is not laughing in the same way. It's a it's a reaction to the intensity of the emotions, right? You know, so to, to mask the song. So I'm doing this Kurt Cobain thing, and it's just not registering. Like these kids are way beyond that, right? And I had to adjust, like what? So I started listening to them more. One in particular, the one that owns the three Aber, and I he became like a son to me and I'd ask him questions all the time. And, and I started seeing the group through his eyes. And one mm. thing he said, he said, you know, you keep talking about like death and all this kind of stuff. And he goes, I, I just don't think me and the girl are going to die, but for sure, this other kid, the kid that died Saturday night, um, is going <clears> to <throat> die. And we should try to help him. And we, we should, we should all come, rally around him. So I listened to the millennial who's telling me, here's a way to run a group. Let's rally around Jason. His name is Jason Davis. Let's make it, let's make him feel welcome. Let's like, let's like kind of focus on him instead of the way you do it, Bob. And we did. And I believe we kept through that love and through that attention. And that I think that we kept him alive for almost 10 years because he just died last Saturday hmm. and he was in my groups in 2010. And what it was is we loved him and we always, he had never been, he was such a, I don't know if anybody knows who Jason Davis is. He was very off-putting. The first thing he would do was insult you. So if you're, if you lead with an insult, you're going to have some tough going for lunch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. So we would always include him. We would always, we would always take him to, um, to eat with us and take him out. And, and we kind of, he would kind of, Whatever that that thing that I believe AA is supposed to be, we did to him. What the personal connection? Love, love, love and tolerance. Right, right. He would say, "Fuck." He called me Uncle Bobby. Fuck you, Uncle Bobby. And I would say, "Okay, Jason," because he would sit in the lobby. He would be there first thing you in the morning, before, and he would yeah. sit in the lobby, but he wouldn't come to the group room. I go, Jason, come on, come on. And he go, "Fuck you, Uncle Bobby," and he would just sit in the lobby. Like, what do you do with a client like that? Let him sit there. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. I let him sit there. And then we eventually, the group started saying, come on, Jason. And the girl in particular would be, come on, Jason. And she would go and pull his arm to come in the group room. And then we would, you know, just kind of talk about whatever he wanted to talk about. Because he was so wounded. He was so damaged. I don't know why. I really got delved deep with him. I don't know why. Right, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was in uh, like a bad divorce situation, but it really wasn't. Didn't you know his trauma didn't measure to his craziness to his affect? Yeah, no, and that that is weird. You know, have you seen that in clients? I have. I've seen it where it's just like I'm trying to figure out why why they're like that, and I think they're just kind of on that on that side to begin with, and it doesn't take a lot. There's not obvious trauma. Right. There's, there's not where you would go, man. It only makes sense. But it's just like they're kind of half here, and that's like the we've talked about that before. Where the the studies that have been conducted that are not by people trying to make money have shown that where people make a personal connection, 
they're they're more likely to stay clean and we we slowly separate this and it's not because aa has a secret formula it's because you go you're a part of there's laughter laughter inspires hope where there's hope and laughter and you feel closeness to somebody you're you're likely to not be loaded as soon as you start pulling away from that it's not because you stopped calling a sponsor who had all the magic answers but you're by yourself again and we're separated right, by yourself. and now we're alone and we're back in that same miserable head man there's got to be a personal connection well he got it and then what we started to, I started telling him I love him. You know, he was one of the first people, clients, I started telling him I love you. Jason, I love you. I like dearly care about you. Because I did. He's just lovable. Underneath his assholishness, <laughs> there was a very lovable, like, little child under there. And I've been thinking about him for two days. I mean, it just happened on Saturday. Um, and I... I remember Drew asked me, when's the last time you saw him? I saw him in Beverly Hills a few months ago. I was at a juicy, like a smoothie store, and he came walking by and goes, Robert, how are you? And he was dressed <laughs> in, again, like an ascot, and he had adopted um, Charles III on Gilligan's Island. Oh, he, had, he, had, he just started imitating that. Winston Howell III. <laughs> Winston Howell what III. was the guy's name? Uh, Jim... Oh, Something Howell the third. It is. It was. I Mr. Think. Howell. It was just Mr. Howell. Mr. Howell. Yeah, and he had an ascot and he had slippers. He had like Gucci slippers on, like like velvet slippers. And I was, <laughs> he was like, Rob, oh. how are you doing? I was like, Jason, what are you doing? And he would he had started this nonprofit and he was on fire. He was still living in sober living for like years and years. And like it started with other addicts caring about him and me being open enough. The only thing I'll say is I knew I wasn't getting through to these people. And that experience with that group in Hollywood recovery only lasted two and a half years, but it was my Petri disc. How can you do this differently? How can you, how can you not believe in the old things that we believe in? Because they don't work with these kids. We've, and I think Warren was on a parallel path where you work. He was like, nothing. He and I used to have conversations like, yeah, you're not going to be able to run a like, process group like the old days. No, and, and you can't you know, set them in a corner in a dunce cap, and you can't dress them down, and you can't do a lot of stuff that, you know, I don't know what's effective. We're still trying to figure so, this but out, I think right? It, but I think, well, I think treatment is becoming more effective because it's responding to the patient population because of economics, probably, to be honest with you. Like, they're not going to go to the Betty Ford Center. I guarantee you, these kids that are here at Allo, they're not going to survive fucking three days in the Betty Ford Center or Sierra Tucson or the Meadows or any of these fucking places. And I bet, I bet Wavelengths is full of a lot of kids that wouldn't go there either. No, I don't think they would, but I just had a guy come back, a youngster who went to a place in Costa Mesa who he said is owned or run by a, an ex-Navy SEAL where they would get up at 4.30 every morning and then they'd go, they'd, they'd go down to the beach and they'd inflate these I like these, it so far. They'd inflate I these like rafts. it so far. What's wrong with that? I, I, well, he, as it, long as it's over by 10, Mike, I'm liking this program. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, and he goes, so it would put us out in the boats, in the waves every day. Didn't matter how big, he goes, and if it was a big day, he'd make us stay there and hold our position just where the waves break. And we had to fight the waves. And this guy did like three months over there and stayed clean for like nine months total. Sounds it was fun. the first time. This was one of those guys when Sounds he, cool to me does that not sound cool to you Sounds mike great he goes he goes you had to get macgyver he goes we were all looking to put bicycles together because they didn't give you rides anywhere but you didn't have to sit in groups talking about your feelings no but you start here i'm in for that yeah. 
you start here, you go to the beach, and then you go from there to where there's uh, an Alano club or something, and you hit a meeting. But then you got to walk back to the house, and he goes, and they don't give you any rides. So you're either walking four or five miles a day, Uber? or you find a way. No, not allowed to Uber. In not group, allowed to do Uber. They have to be, or they have to you be can a... put together a bicycle, but you're not allowed to just go buy one. You can. He goes, we went dumpster diving, and we found bicycle parts, and we put together our own bicycles so we wouldn't have to do this stuff. And he goes, it was the coolest thing ever. He ended up getting a job in Newport Beach where he was How like cool driving around exotic. So col- they got like a big pile of bike parts somewhere in the garage. No, they- he said they're everywhere because it's Costa Mesa. Yeah, they're everywhere <laughs> off the 57 <laughs> would, freeway. Would, off the 57 would, yeah. freeway, you can not find anymore. A, they would gather these bike parts and put them, and then they give them to them. They. they I don't know. I, I'd have to ask more questions. But the idea was this guy was one of those guys that couldn't get out of bed. You'd show up to a group and, you know, you do the feelings group like I, I wish, I think, I feel. And he'd go, I wish I had more heroin. I think I need more heroin. I feel I need more heroin. <laughs> That's my kind of client, Mike. <laughs> you know? That's my kind of client. <laughs> and, I love this kid already. <laughs> and he, awesome. and he, he, we used to have the face thing at Los Encinas. The face thing of have you ever seen the you've never even been in rehab, Mike. They have these faces of all the feelings. Which one are you feeling? Which one are you feeling? It's like angry, sad, lonely, frustrated, melancholy. (laughs) Do they draw? No, you're just supposed to pick one from looking at the picture on the wall. There's no mustaches on (laughs) I'm feeling mustache. I sure there's I'm sure you can feel mustache now. But I really that's exciting. There's a lot of people doing new and innovative ways of communicating I believe the same old same old the, my thing was that that the motivation the way that I saw AA is the motivation comes from within you it is everything once you have it all this stuff you're resisting you won't resist that's, that's how uh, what's his name Cubby presented it to me which is the problem is within you and the solution is within you Right, meaning okay, the absolutely. motivation or willingness, right, and and he said, and that's a mystery. It's, it's it's different for everybody. Some people never have the solution, never gets to come to the fore because the the willingness or the 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 kind of um, lack of motivation is it's just too powerful, right? So the solution is within you, and the problem is within you. Right. So you will solve it when the solution starts to become more desirable than the problem. And he's and and <laughs> yeah. Cubby used to say some crazy which is shit. A very, very Zen Buddhist yeah, way Cubby of used speaking, to say, which, you know, the yin and the yang, when you replace rec- your drugs with recovery, it fills up this vessel. You saw him talk a million oh, yeah, times. Yeah, he it, said yeah. some trippy shit. I was at lunch with him one time and he goes, you know what? I realized there's nothing I don't that i desire that i don't already have and i was like because you're sitting with buddha at the fucking around the corner from third and gardener on, on you're sitting third with the guy that wrote requiem of a dream yeah well i try not to think about that when i was with him he's an aa guy mike <laughs> last exit so um and so i thought about that for like two weeks there's nothing I, I that he realized there's nothing that he desires that he doesn't already have Think about that statement. Oh, that's, that's, that's a profound. wise man. That's, so I go to him and I go, Cubby, I'm thinking about that thing you said that a couple of weeks ago after Third and Gardener. And he goes, what? And I said, you said there's nothing you desire. You realize there's nothing you desire that you don't already have. I said, are you talking about the feelings connected with the material world or are you talking about 
the, the peace and serenity lies within you, kind of like you've said to me in lots of different ways, and I've heard you say lots of different times. And he goes, no, that's not what I meant. And I go, well, what, 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 what are you meaning? And he goes, that's for you to figure out. <laughs> it is 20 years later I still have no idea of what Google that it. means but think about that there's, I realize there's nothing that I desire that I don't already possess what is that? That's some crazy shit right there. That's some. That's some. Fantastic. That's some Eastern shit right there. Yeah, that's. That a, is not. Um, that's not Los Angeles, America, twenty twenty. I guarantee you that. Because I need nicotine gum. I need a, a comfortable way home. I need my NBA uh, radio app for the way home. But you have those things. I know, but I might need more. Of, I, but I was incomplete until I had them, and there's more incompletions. Hmm. Right. What do I need now? Oh, I need to figure out. Hey, here's you need a, to stop messing with that microphone. I know. It's okay. making noise. Okay. So here's what I need to figure out. Maybe you guys have figured it out. And Anthony Kiedis and I were talking about this. And a woman I was talking about at the park today. I've talked about this with Dimitri. I've talked about this with, obviously, my wife. I've talked about it with several parents. Do kids really need to go to school till they're like 8 or 9 or 10? You mean starting public, later? Public school. Go to school. Period. Public school. You're not. You're not. You're. You're. You're saying that the that. I don't think they're learning what they. I think they're learning Does things. Does homeschooling count? Well, uh, you know, obviously homeschooling has come up, but your kid's so isolated, right? It's very so isolating. They need to go to a school. Well, that's, I think, why, why a lot of parents that question our education system send their kids to school just for the socialization, yep. right? Yep. Okay. Is that, is that fair to say? Especially it's, for pre-K, K, first grade, second right. grade. You know they ain't learning shit. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even do that to a dog. You don't want to raise a dog in isolation because they don't learn how to interact. Right. Well, I have a dog that doesn't <laughs> know compar- how to interact. Bad comparison, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but I was thinking about it because... There's a lot of things that, that you can integrate kids with. You have to be an active parent. You have to be at the park. Like, we were at the park today. A million kids. It's Monday. Everybody's off school, riding blades, riding bicycles, sandbox, climbing in trees, can't get down. Like, you got to go there. You got to talk to the parents around you. A lot of times, people don't do these things. And if they do go do them, they don't talk to the other parents. There's no community at the park. You need to have this community and get to know the other parents and get together with them and have your kid integrate. But do they really need to go somewhere eight hours a day and just sit there and bullshit? I, I don't know anymore. Well, I really no, don't. But I'm agreeing with you now. Now, I mean, you just retracted a little bit. At a certain but point, they have you to said learn. They have to go to school and you have to be there. As a parent, that is so important to kids. And people don't realize that, that are just like, ah, just send them to school. When you are involved in school and you're there watching them in the auditorium doing viol- uh, violin and you're there talking to people and you're showing up and hanging out and you're so It makes the school. It makes no, but what I'm saying is that's what makes the school. Elvis has been at a good school like that so it, it the parents involvement and the involvement of knowing who's your kids friends are and making play dates and getting together and just having them over knowing what your friends kids like like i know what elvis's fr- friends like that's ultra I, important right i'm so in agreement. i get them and talk to them independently i'll talk to his friends 
without him around. Like I get to school, I just talk to this kid Jackson. I See, just love this not, kid at his school. I just love the kid. They may not right. Say so that makes thrilled. a community. That's the social thing that everybody's sending their kids to school for. It's not sitting in a fucking classroom going through the same old mediocre bullshit that's existed in America for the last half of the 20th century and the last 20 years of this century. It's ridiculous. If you sat in a third grade class lately, no, I saw so many. It really just broke my heart when I saw a kid that his parents would drop him off and then they would wait for him out in front of the school. And I never saw him. I never saw him. What do they the think's going on in there? I have no idea. But how could you do that? I don't get that fucking. So I thought on. back in my childhood, especially K through three, right? So you kind of remember five, six, seven, eight, right? Mm-hmm. I remember because there was traumatic events in my life. So the things I remember was making my first best friend. His name was Tommy Paletti. Having a best friend was way more important than anything that happened. I don't remember anything of third grade. I remember (laughs) Tommy Paletti. Nice. Do you understand me? And Tommy, if you're out there, I wonder what can reach out to oh. us, Tommy Paletti. That would be so great. And that was the first time I ever spent the night at a friend's house. And I remember, because he was so rude to his mom. Like, if you were as rude to my mom as you'd get your face slapped. And he would just say things to his mom. And I was like, I like his mom. I wish I had a mom like Tommy Paletti's mom. He would just <laughs> tell her, he would tell her, yeah, get out. He would push her out of his room and shut the door on her. I was like, if I did that, my mom would smack my face. And just being in another kid's house and seeing him interact with their parents, that's what I remember. I remember baseball. I remember getting to school early and playing basketball before the bell. I don't remember anything from the classroom itself. Wow. Good point. It, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't memorable. But yeah, no, Tony Garrett and us uh, getting big pieces of paper and drawing Kiss, drawing the stage and the fire and right? doing all the individual characters. That's third, fourth fifth grade it's the best it just but that had nothing to do with whatever you were reading now when you get and here's where i'll defend education i learned everything great i i love in high school and first year of college i learned everything that i love still to this day a respect and love of literature i watched jane Eyre, the robert um who's guy that played Patton. Uh, George, Charles, C. Scott. George C. Scott. Scott. George C. Scott v- movie version of Jane Eyre was on on TV last night. I just watched the whole thing by myself. I just love that book. That's one of my favorite books. I read it in second year of high school, Jane Eyre. I just love it. So there is things that are life-changing in education. They're just not in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. They're just not. I don't care what you tell me. It's about community. It's about parents. It's about each other. It's about learning how to develop relationships. And fuck school. I really believe that. So I I like what you're saying. And again, with dogs, you don't try to train them when they're this (laughs) big. No sense in trying to... kids and he uses dog references why don't we use your kid references okay no i i know because it's, okay, it's so similar to me when, when you say that there's no sense in trying to ch- train an eight-week-old puppy that's sticking them in a classroom sticking a five-year-old child whose brain is still so small and what, what you're doing is you're training them to follow basic follow, commands follow, of sit, yeah. stand, this is when we eat, this is when we do Stand this. Stand in line. It, it breaks their spirit and it kills creativity. 
and it doesn't allow them to be expressive of what's going on with them, you need to go to the bathroom. You should have gone on break. You should have gone out in the yard with the dog. (laughs) Bug peas in the backyard. Bug peas in the backyard. backyard. I wish I would have known that. On purpose. On purpose. Sydney, Sydney, fortune on diapers. Sydney uh, snitched me out a couple months ago when you were talking about peeing because you know where I live. It's so fucking far. And between like Pasadena and my house, if you get off the freeway, you're fucked. Because there's no bathrooms. Nobody's going to let you use a bathroom. So I hold my pee so long when I'm coming back from L.A. in rush hour traffic. And I'm with Sydney and Elvis. I picked up Elvis at school at 2 o'clock. And you're bumper old. To that bumper. must hurt. It, it hurts. I got pro- at least I know my prostate's good. So, so, um, so I have to pee so bad. I just jam down our dirt road and I come flying up in there like fucking, you know, Duke's a hazard. And I just <laughs> I get out of the car and I just start peeing right in the yard, right? Oh, and sit God. still in her car seat and she's watching me pee. And she told Chrissy that I peed out of the yard. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Daddy peed. Daddy would pee outside. I, I know. <laughs> None of you. None I was of you. not gonna make getting them out of the car. You know how slow she is getting out of the fucking car, Mike. Oh my god! <laughs> that was, you know, I've had that situation where one of my daughters goes, "I've got the bathroom first and the other one goes, "I got the bathroom first. And I say, "No, no, 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 no. I'm going I've outside. Oh, first. what about you? Just don't go outside. No, you got. Well, I, sometimes I do. <laughs> I admit. That's not the important part. The important part is, did you see the way Bob peed? He used two hands like this. All of a sudden, (laughs) I'm impressed. I don't need need two hands. I've never done that. You know what? I got to pee. It was just absolutely incredible. I was holding. I've got the base here. This is the balls right here. And I'm trying to aim it away from the car. He's holding a fire hose. Because I I was so... He did like this. Do you know when you're so consumed, you have to pee that you're not thinking correctly? So I put... And I was like 10 feet away from those bushes over by that patio where the umbrella is. And I just started peeing before I got to the bushes. So I had to, and I was walking towards the bushes. I was just peeing right on the dirt, right by the front door. Right by the front door. What a class act. Uh, the I'm days. sure Bug doesn't pee by the front door. He goes off in his no, area. No, he, he's in the backyard. In the days, I remember Bob peeing. It would just go all over the place because he was overweight. And it wouldn't yeah, come it, out. It, it would just go it'd be going in every direction. Nice. So, but but anyways, I just, uh, I, I'm going through this because, I mean, I like, because we got to make a decision about Sid here, about living. And you know this, and you know this. You've stayed in Long Beach your whole life because you want your kids to be in their hometown. So... I am. Um, we have to make a decision. Are we moving back to Hollywood, right? Or or are we going to really get a place in Malibu right now? We just have a little apartment, stay but would we move to stay in Claremont? And and then that means Sid's got to go through K through five at least. You want people to. You want them to. If they're going to be in a community, you want them to be there for a long time. Get to know people. I would people. think K yeah. through five. You have to do, right? I'm no. I'm shocked by L.A. kind of things because I lived I lived both L.A. parenting and Claremont more thought out parenting and it's so many kids that Elvis has been friends with they just move to another part of town and they upheave their kids like after kindergarten and first grade at one school and then they just move to another part and their kids go to like four schools before they're in eighth grade 
And it's just like, whatever. You know, and, like I just can't and fathom some kids, that. Some kids, that, this is one of those things we were talking about out there. There's some kids that that, that makes them good at adapting. Their, their friend-making skills Maybe, go up. Yeah. Their idea of appreciating what's happening right now because it might change. Other kids, it just destroys them because of the way they're designed. Other kids, it's just like they feel like they never found a home. And they were like, you know, because I know people that were army brats and some people loved it. And they yeah, still but have I think that the army list. brats are bullshitting. Well, I know a lot of army brats and they say they're all well adjusted. Try marrying one of them. <laughs> I don't right. Want to. A couple of my friends have been married to them. They're like they're also emotionally unavailable. They're also have very compartmentalized. I think you're. I think you're exaggerating the good in the jumping all around. Right? Dee Ramone was an army brat. He died of drugs. He's my favorite bass player oh, ever. Oh, my God. He's the only one that didn't die of eating too much pizza or something. But, <laughs> they all died. What do you think that is, anyway? The Dee Ramone. Okay, I got a can't. I got a really, I, uh, I hate to be like Pete Weiss and Keith Morris right now, but I got a, th- a theory about cancer. Cancer comes from stress hormones. I don't know how, but I think, Stressed out people get cancer. I just, I don't know. If you're stressed out, I think it has something to do with it. There are some that you just get from behavioral. There's the, the, the STDs, throat cancers one. Do you know that? Do you know about from, that one? Yeah. Oh, but yeah. I oh, my God. Was, <laughs> but I thought that was from... That was the Mike Douglas one. The kind of, Michael Douglas. Michael Mike Douglas. Douglas. Mike Douglas sex. had a good TV show. <laughs> that's what I thought. It was from no. having oral sex. Yeah, so there's oral sex one. That's just the behavior that you did in the luck of the draw or whatever. There's, there's lung cancer from smoking cigarettes. That's just kind of you playing into it in your genetics. But then there's just these random cancers that people are getting, like Steve Jobs' cancer and these weird cancers. I think it's stress. If there's not an environmental reason or a behavioral reason, why do some people get it and some people don't? Some people from the same families get it, some people don't, right? So cancers, but here's the good news. Whether, whether I, I know a lot of people in cancer research, an old punk rocker is a leader in cancer research, believe it or not. Steve, I forget his last name, was in uh, How Negro and the Satin Tones. He's like oh. the La Jolla cancer research, right? Really? Yeah. Hmm. So they're going to cure cancer. All the cancer people I talk to, they're going to cure cancer within 10 years for sure. Almost all cancers will be cured. Well, they got the opioids now to kill people. So Yeah. So see how so, it works? Offset. Yeah, do. Offset. It's okay to cure cancer. Thinning of the herd. Thinning yeah. of the herd. But, uh, um, but anyways, we're going to go, but we're going to pick up. We got to figure out how do you talk to millennials? Start a discussion and send an email. Talk to us. Yeah, I'd like to know. And and a lot of you kids that are, or people that are using fentanyl, I just, you know, it made sense to me, this kid the other day that I talked very point blank. He's very open. He just said, I use it to fucking get to the highest for the cheapest amount. Like, that's simple economics. Dude, I got 20 bucks. He told me this. I got 20 bucks. I, I can buy fentanyl that'll last me four days. I can buy dope that'll last me four hours. Oh, wow, yeah. Think about that. Yeah, that's not good. I could have saved a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, everybody. Good night. See you later. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888- 595-0235 
That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.